0: home too didn't affect the rest of us. Um, so yeah, glad we're here together. Um, man, what a crazy time. What an interesting time to be alive and what an interesting time in history. Uh, I know the, the news thing about being misinformed. I've been really, really trying to figure out what's real, what's fake. And you have, of course, this whole thing is political. So you have one side that is like two weeks ago, they were saying, hey, this is fake. This isn't real and they probably blamed Obama. And then you have the other side that it's like panic, freak-out mode, and it's all President Trump's fault. So I'm trying to like land somewhere in the middle and like, what the heck is real? What the heck's going on? So y'all can figure that out for yourself. Um, I don't know much about it. But what I do know is this verse, Psalm 93.1. And I just wanted to read it because this is what's true today. The Lord reigns, He is robed in majesty, the Lord is robed. He has put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Yeah, come on. The world is established. Alright, God has already established this world. And I usually don't freak out about these kinds of things or, or fret or be in panic. I'm usually pretty chill about them. I mean, I'm a Kansan, so... It's like when the tornado sirens are going off, I'm out on my front porch trying to get a front row seat. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't usually freak out, but actually um, I was caught, you know, this is, this is very selfish of me, but what, when it caught my attention was actually when the NBA was suspended and when March Madness was canceled. That's when I started to take things seriously. And so, you know, I'm usually not scared, but I have two young kids, and one of them not even a month old. So I thought, hey, I need to learn. I need to maybe get ahead of this thing and just see see how it could affect uh, my life and those around me. And so I've had to confront like a little bit of fear creep up in me and a little bit of anxiety. And um, I think there's a spirit of fear on our world right now and a lot of foreboding, which is a sense of impending doom or a feeling that something bad is going to happen. And you know we need to be wise and take precautions like what Jonathan mentioned. And we don't want to be ignorant Christians, like, I don't believe in germs, I have Jesus. But God is on His throne. Like, we are, we are called to be obedient to faith. And I think that's so important. We're called to trust in the Word of God and believing that God is so much bigger than a virus. Like, He's so much bigger than whatever evil is behind this thing. An evil that's trying to destroy nations and economies and people's lives. Like, God, He holds all things together. The world is established. And I think one of the biggest things is God isn't surprised by this. You know, he's not caught off guard. He wasn't thinking, oh, what, what's that corona, coronavirus? I'm like, what? What is this? No, he knows what's happening. This isn't the worst thing he's seen. So I think it's important that we don't be ignorant Christians um, but it, it, and take precautionary steps, but we can't lose our faith because we're called to be obedient to faith. And that, that is the true marker of a Christian life. Is we, we, sometimes we want to live as a Christian and not have faith. Or we want to live as a Christian and not believe in God. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So uh, it's timely, because that, that's what I'm talking about today, is it takes faith. And I'm excited about it. And I want to ask you guys just one question, or ask yourself one question. What if I would have done something... Or have I ever done something that didn't really make sense in my mind? Or thought about doing something that didn't make sense in my mind? But God was waiting on the other side to do something miraculous. You know, when the numbers don't add up, when, I don't, when maybe I don't have enough finances to go on this trip, or um, things are just not, not correct according to my calculations, but God was waiting on the other side. I'm sure we all can think of scenarios in our head where sometimes we've had faith, and done that thing, and God came through, and sometimes we have it. And we have, we have, two sto- we have probably both different stories. Um, so I want to read a story from Deuteronomy 1, and this is a story when God is commanding the Israelites to leave where they are, to leave their, their campsite, and to go to a different land. And this is a land that God is giving them, a land that, that they have to go and take possession of. So in verse 19... We'll pick up there. It says, Then we set out from Oreb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw. On the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord Lord God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us, and bring us word again of the way by which we must go and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. And I, I just want to point that out, because here we are in this scenario, God saying, Hey, go to this new land. He's already told them, I've already given it to you. You just have to go take possession of it. And so there's this incredible feat that's going to take a lot of faith from the Israelites. And yet they're like, hey, could we send some spies? Like, could we just kind of scope things out and take some precautionary measures? And God meets them where they're at. He says, yeah, you know, that seems good. Like, I'll do that. So think about your life and how many times there's this big thing that God might be calling you to, or this decision or a situation and you're like, okay, I want to just maybe use some wisdom here. And God, just, just let me do this. And he meets us where we're at, right? Okay, so that's, that's what we just read. So moving on in t- verse 24. And they turned and went, to, went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eschol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land that the Lord your God, the Lord our God is giving us. So here we are. It's a good land. But we're going to finish the story. They don't go. They don't go. And so verse 26 says, you yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, These people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we see the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went before you in the way to seek you to seek you out of place, to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day, to show you by the way you should go. So the story doesn't end well. They don't go. They rebelled against God. And actually, right after this, God sends the Israelites to the wilderness for years and years. Pretty unfortunate. So, what do we learn from this story? What do we learn about faith from this story? I think number one is excuses come easy. Right? When, when something is going to take an extreme amount of faith, in our lives it's easy to come up with justified excuses, even excuses that make sense in our mind. And so if we look at verse 28, the Israelites, where are we even going? Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying there are people, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. How are we going to do this? You know, and these excuses, you know, maybe they're not like, they're not like little excuses either. These are big obstacles that they have to overcome. And same thing in our life. There are big obstacles that seem impossible. And they are impossible without God. So when there's something that, that kind of, something in our lives that nudges, nudges us out into the unknown, when maybe God is calling us to something where the, the, the outcome isn't certain, or the result isn't certain, it's easy to pl- replay in our minds the excuses or the reasons to not do whatever it is that God's calling us to do. The second thing is, is really important. What we believe out, about God can be way off. So in this story, man, in verse 27, the Israelites said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. So these are the Israelites, God's chosen people, who He's anointed, who He has favor on, who just a little bit ago set them free from slavery. We're like, no, God actually wants to kill us. Like, that, God wants to kill us. You know, He doesn't have our best interests in mind. And it seems so justified to think this way sometimes, because when we're in the midst of our circumstances, when, when we're facing a situation that takes faith, we've, the things we believe about God just are, can be way off. And it can seem like, oh yeah, this, is, this isn't going to work out. And so if you look in verse 31, we actually see a little bit of who God really is. It says, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. So fear, lack of faith, holding back in life, not engaging fully, this all comes back to not seeing God as Father, as a good Father, as a man who carries his Son through the wilderness. So what we believe about God can be way off. It might not be as extreme as thinking God hates you or or he's trying to kill you, but it can be a little more off, like, hey, God doesn't have my best interest in mind. Or God, uh, God isn't, you know, I don't know if He'll provide for me in this situation because He didn't in the last one, and, you know, I'm just not sure. Like, I don't know if God provides. No, He does. God is our Father. So number three kind of goes along with that is we easily forget. We easily forget what God's done in our lives. Just like the Israelites um, in verse 30 says the lord your god who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in egypt before your eyes so they had so easily and quickly forgotten what god had already done for them and the the doubt from that from forgetting they took onto their current situation and they were like oh maybe they remembered or they didn't remember it correctly or they just took it for granted but they didn't, they didn't have the lens of faith to say, okay, God came through in that situation. So guess what? This land that God's giving us that we need to go take possession of, I can do it. We can do it. Like, we can do it because God already came through for us. We so easily forget the times that God has come through for us. So I just want you to think about a time when God did something amazing in your life. Just think about it quick. We, we celebrate that in the moment and then we forget about it. And then when we face the next difficult circumstance, or there comes an opportunity to have faith, we're back to square one. We're back to the excuses. We're back to not having a a correct view of who God is. And we so easily forget what God has done in our life that our level of faith isn't as high as it should be. You know, God is wanting to grow us as people of faith, so we go from faith to faith. And our level of faith increases and increases, and we don't have hope like we should. And when people say, hey, don't get your hopes up, that's totally the opposite of what the Bible says. Like everything in the Bible is saying, hey, get your hopes up. Hope in Jesus. So the next time you hear someone say, hey, don't get your hopes up, but you know this could happen, maybe this is a possibility. No, say, hey, I'm going to hope for this situation. Like I'm going to bring hope because I'm going to get my hope up in Jesus. Because that's what the Bible says. 1 Peter 1.7 says these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold so when your faith remains strong through many trials it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world these trials will show that your faith is genuine so there is a testing of the genuineness of our faith when we come to a circumstance that needs faith. And I don't know if you guys have ever met anyone that ha- you can just tell they have a genuine faith. It's it's remarkable because you think, okay, this person is steady, they're firm. Like they you can tell they've trusted God in certain situations. By the way they talk or or maybe they have a situation in their life and they they talk about it in a way that's hopeful, that's positive. That's because that person has been tested and the genuineness of their faith is is legit. It's real. So I think a result of having genuine faith is uh, is Psalm 112, 6 through 8 It says, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news or fake news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Man, that's so good. He is not afraid of bad news. Imagine living in a way where there's a decision you have to make, or you're waiting for something, You've, maybe it's a job interview, or a health issue in your family, health issue for you. And imagine reading this verse and thinking, hey, I'm not afraid of bad news. Like, I know who God is. I know, but my heart is firm, trusting in the Lord, that I don't have to be afraid of bad news. I guarantee 95% of people in the world are afraid of bad news. You know, but as Christians, as believers, there is hope in Jesus. And there is hope for a firm, trustworthy God that we can put our trust in. So, what, but what about this idea? Going back to the, the verse in, or the story in Deuteronomy, what about this idea that God is going before us and fighting for us? It sounds awesome. I want to believe it. I say I believe it, but do I act on it? I remember when uh, I graduated from, from K-State about three three years ago, a little over three years ago, and I came on full-time with Call the Greatness. And my wife and I, Aja, we uh, were raising support for our job. So we had a bunch of financial partners that give to us so that we can do campus ministry. And we had a big chunk to raise. I was coming on staff full-time. And it was, it was talk about testing the genuineness of your faith. This was one of those times for us. And so we uh, we got to where we had $1,000 a month left to raise and we're at the point where we had no contacts left, no people to contact, we had no referrals, and we're sitting at my dad's house on the front porch thinking, okay, what's next, what are we going to do? We could go back to Manhattan, regroup for a week, and then get an idea, get a plan and come back to Garden City where we were and raise the rest of our support. And so. That was the plan until I remembered that we had met this guy at this printing shop in Garden City where we printed some newsletters for our, our partners that we had and we didn't know this guy and he gave us one referral of a guy and we didn't, we didn't know the referral, we had no idea and you know I could feel God like, just, just call him. Just see what happens, call him. And it was a cold call so of course the, excuse, the excuses came easy. I was like, hey, cold calling doesn't work, I'm scared. That's that. I don't. What am I gonna say? He probably won't answer, and he doesn't know my number. All these different excuses, but I knew like I had to do this. And so it was one. I don't know if you guys have ever had moments like this. I'm sure you have, where the emotions are so high that you remember every single detail about what happened in that specific event. And so I remember I was at my dad's house, and they have this little pergola, wooden pergola, in their backyard. And I remember just like. It's circular, and I'm just walking around it for probably like 30 minutes, just like, okay, just pumping myself up, hey, this is what I'm going to say, this is I'm, he's gonna, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. You know, I have my iPhone, like the number is dialed, I just have to press it, and there's so many things, like, the, like it was so real, my faith was so low, and so finally I call him, and he answers, and we, we talk, and... I give my whole Call to Greatness spiel about what we're doing, what Age and I are doing, what we're doing on on the K-State campus, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it sounds interesting. I'd like to hear about it. And so I said, well, can can you meet sometime this week? And he said, oh, I'm so busy. Like, I'm so busy. I don't know when we're going to be able to meet. This was a Sunday afternoon. So I said, well, how about Tuesday at 7 p.m.? Oh, yeah, that works. That works perfect, you know? Well, meet me at my house. I'm like, okay, you must not have been that busy. That was pretty easy to find time. And so, Tuesday night rolls around, and Age and I are driving to this town called Scott City, which is, was about 30 minutes from Garden City, and I just remember telling Age, I was like, you know, I think God wants to give us some $200 a month partners, and I was like, I'm going to ask for $200 a month, and Age was like, okay, glad you're making the ask, not me, because, you know, that's, that's a lot, and so we go in, you know, we meet, the, we meet them as, as a couple, married couple. Probably in their sixties and nice people, like really nice people. We love them, love getting to know them. Beautiful people, and um, we talk. We I give our presentation, and at the end, I'm like, "Hey, would you come on our partnership team for two hundred dollars a month?" And Randall is his name. Kind of looks at us, and then looks at his wife, and then his wife just says, "You want some cookies?" And so I'm like, "It's not a no." It's not a no, all right, it's not a no. So we're like, yeah, you know, I like cookies, sure. So she had just the most like warm, they were warm and I don't know how she was doing this. We were talking for an hour, like the best batch of cookies I've ever had. So like, hey, this is worth it no matter what, if we, they come on our team or not. So we, we eat cookies for like 20 or 30 minutes and we we're just talking and the conversation kind of straight away from, you know, call to greatness. So I'm eager, I'm anxious to get back to like, hey, what? like, what's the answer? You know, you're going to give us cookies every month? Like, that's great, but come on now. Um, and so then Randall starts telling us this story, and it was Sunday morning. We were, there, we were there on a Tuesday night, and Sunday morning God woke him up at like 4 or 5 in the morning and said, bring your checkbook to church today. And he's like, well, I'm, you know, I've already tithed, we've already given, but, you know, hey, God, I'll bring my checkbook to church. And so he gets to church, and the offering basket's getting passed around, and he takes out his checkbook, and he's like, okay, God, what do, you, what do you want me to give? What do you want to do? And God said, just wait. Just wait. And Randall was like, well, church is ending in 10 minutes. What am I going to do? Where am I going to give this money? And so then Randall said that church ended, and two hours later he got a phone call. And that phone call was me. Me sitting there, like, trying to work myself up to press the button to call him. And he got a phone call, and as soon as he answered and heard what we were doing, God said, give them whatever they asked for. Just, just do it. And he's like, okay. And so he tells us that. And so there's our answer. He's like, yeah, you know, you should ask for more. You should have asked for 250, 300. And I was like, okay, we kind of go back here a little bit and re- redo that. So no, he came on our team and they've been great partners of ours. We love having them. But for us, God had went before us and he prepared The way he prepared this experience, but it doesn't mean that it would have happened. It doesn't mean it's just going to happen. It took an act of faith. It took something that scared me, that overwhelmed me, that I had excuses for, that I I didn't believe God was going to provide. It took getting out of my comfort zone to see this happen. And that, that one act of faith busted open the floodgates, and God finished our partnership team in two weeks. So we had $1,000 a month raised in two weeks after that, and we were back in Manhattan, back on campus. So it just takes one act of faith to bust open a whole new realm of possibilities, a whole new way of living in our lives. So and that, that experience has set the foundation for how I put my faith in God to this day. I don't always get it right, and I certainly don't always have strong faith I mean, even right now, I feel like in this season, I'm coming back to this, and I'm easily forgetting what God has done. But there is this underlying sense that God is trustworthy, that He does provide, that He does come through. And so it's, it's easy to think, okay, when God comes through for me, and He does something, then I'll have greater faith in Him. And we get in that cycle. But real, the reality is God is already trustworthy. Like, that's who He is. That's His character. That's His nature. But there's a part that we play. There's a conscious faith decision on our behalf to step out and truly believe that God is a good Father. Because the reality is that God is already trustworthy. And we can get in this cycle of thinking, okay, God didn't come through there, so maybe the next thing He will. And we kind of shrink back into our little cave of self-preservation or our little turtle shell and the next, you know, the next situation that takes a, a big, is going to take a big amount of faith, we kind of peek our head out and kind of look for God and think, okay, maybe it's not this time. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to go back in because it's safe in here. I don't have to take a risk. I don't have to, fa- I'm, I'm, there's no risk of failure in, in my, little, my little cave of self-preservation. And so we go from situation to situation and decision deci- and to decision and decision, playing it safe and never taking initiative. And so we look back on our life and think, man, what if? Like, what if I would have what, what shared my faith with that family member or that friend? Or what if I would have explored a different major, a different career option? Or what if I would have done that thing that didn't make sense in my mind, but instead put my faith in God and trusted that something was going to happen? You know? So it only takes one act of faith to break open a whole new way of living, and to break open a whole new realm of possibilities that lead to greater faith in Jesus and greater fullness of life. So I think for our for this time in our world, man, this is what's needed, a greater level of faith is what's needed for our world. And I was just as we were praying this morning before church, I was like, man, God, would you just would you just break people? Like, would you humble people and and like just show people the need for God in our world? the need for a Savior, that there will, be, there will be another virus, there will be another disease that comes. There will be more things that kill people. But to know that our, our foundation is in God, that we can our, our heart is not afraid of bad news. Like we're firm, we're trusting in the name of the Lord our God. That's what I think God has for this time and for this time in our world. So, real quick, what's next as we close? What's next? Just three simple things. So first one is just remember the times when God has come through in your life and give him thanks. Before you ask anything else of God, before you ask him for anything else, come to him with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Say, hey, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for coming through. Thank you, God, for providing, because that's who you are. Second thing is very important. Renew your mind into thinking rightly about who God is. So remember, God is a good father who carries his children through the wilderness into a new place. That's who God is. And then number three, uh, just ask yourself this question. This This is a challenging one. This is the practical step. What in your life makes you uncomfortable? Maybe it's something God is prompting you to do. Identify the biggest roadblock preventing you from doing this thing, whether it be excuses or um, not, not believing God is trustworthy or just lack of faith, identify what the biggest roadblock is. Give it to God and exercise your faith and go do it. Because you don't want to look back on your life and think, what if? What if I would have done that thing? What if I would have made that decision? Alright, so with that being said, um, we're going to just take some time in our, at our tables and I think it would be a big missed opportunity if we didn't just pray for, our, for the world, for our country right now um, about what's going on and um, praying for healing, praying for, for God to, to do something miraculous and really to, for people's hearts to turn towards him. So take the next 10 minutes and just pray, pray, declare um, at your tables. And then after that, we're going to have another worship song and then we'll be good to go. Yeah, before you pray. Just...